Loyalty is the second strongest predictor of a long-term stable marriage. In other words, this is one of the most important features of creating a thriving, passionate marriage. We'll tell you what the most important predictor is during the show, but today we're going to focus on why loyalty is so powerful and how to create more of it in your marriage, especially in areas that we commonly get derailed. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to OYF.support. Once again, that website is OYF.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel from Only You Forever. Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have what I think will be a marriage-stabilizing episode for you this week. This is episode number 174, and today we're going to be talking about loyalty. Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed defensiveness in marriage. That hit a little close to home for me. Anyways, that's worth going back and checking out because defensiveness is one thing that every human being runs into, Mm -hmm. not just me. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us. And remember, if you are struggling with your marriage, we offer sound and research-based advice. Most of all, we offer hope. Okay, let's get into this loyalty topic for Linda. Mm -hmm. What does loyalty in marriage look like? What do you think about when you consider the idea of loyalty in marriage? Um, I think of faithfulness. Yeah. Like you're not go into other options. You're loyal to your spouse. Yeah. Um, that's, I think that's where most of us usually go first. Okay. Yeah. And yet there's a lot more to it than I think than just staying faithful, although that's super important, right? Yeah. So there's this one study uh, from 95. It gave really helpful differentiation between minimum loyalty and maximum loyalty. Okay. So minimum loyalty is just simply not betraying your spouse, not having affairs, not betraying trust in some other way, like even financially or whatever. And not being dishonest. Okay. So I think that's what I was thinking of by faithfulness. Yeah. Like loyalty. Okay. Yeah. But he also talked about maximum loyalty, which is becoming one with your spouse through long-term commitment, partnership, and devotion. So the, the minimum part is about what you do not do, the major taboos of marriage mm-hmm. or even the medium taboos. But the maximum is really about investing into and pouring yourself into something very deeply, oh, which we'll, we'll okay. talk about in a moment. So. Maximum loyalty is achieved through a sense of companionship and partnership based on several things. One, things like a a shared vision for life, wanting the same things from life, valuing the same qualities, agreeing on important life issues. So what if you don't share the same vision for life? Well, if you don't share the same vision for life, the question becomes, what are the parts of the vision that you do share? And then how can you honor the differences? Hmm. So Uh, it's not like loyalty is not achievable if you disagree on something. No. Okay. No. I mean, that doing the work to reconcile that kind of situation is a demonstration of loyalty as well. Oh, right? yeah. But also another way to show loyalty is joint important life goals. So having goals which matter to both of you, which you can work towards, such as parenting, community, charity work, spiritual practices, joint business ventures, and so on. So there's a lot around kind of moving together through the world and creating legacy mm-hmm. that shows loyalty. Generosity is another way to think about it. Investing in your spouse through affection, time, gifts, acts of service. Okay. And then fairness is another way. Sharing workloads, taking joint responsibility for the relationship. That's a way to show loyalty, right? Uh Uh-huh. 
yeah. versus loyalty to yourself. Selfishness. Oh, ouch. Right? Yeah. And openness and vulnerability and honesty. Those all move you towards loyalty as well. So there's a lot to this, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's some very practical aspects to loyalty too. If you keep your mind and heart open to the possibility of alternatives, you'll be looking at flirting with and showing a disloyal level of interest in other people. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this can really undermine any sense of loyalty in your marriage. And it's good to pause and yeah. ask yourself if you really do let your mind consider alternatives or if your brain is truly locked into the idea of faithful monogamy to your spouse. Right. And I just mentioned that because you may never like break some of the official taboos of marriage, like yeah. having an affair, but you can be incredibly unfaithful in other ways that really in a thousand tiny ways. That undermines loyalty in your marriage. Yeah, yeah. And so along the same lines, the issue of loyalty then comes down a lot of times to the choices you make. Choices about how you spend your time, what you show the most interest and excitement in, Mm. where you invest your energy. Are those things mostly pointed into the marriage or outside or away from the marriage? Does your spouse complain about being the thing at home or just a wallflower? Or does he or she really feel like they're the most cherished in all the people and things that you place value on? Huh. So that, those are other ways that we communicate loyalty or disloyalty as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All good? Yeah. I agree with all of that. So the other beautiful aspect of loyalty in marriage is not only commitment to the covenant of marriage and these little details, but the personal growth that comes from marriage. And this ties a little bit to what we were talking about last time, because loyalty also implies that I'm willing to improve my own character and to bring more of myself to the marriage and allow myself to be challenged to grow and develop as a person. This kind of links to the defensiveness one from last week. Yeah. Yeah. There's a definite theme there and we'll come back to that again later on too. And this brings a richness and a vitality that may be dormant in the marriage right? Because there's, it really changes the tone of why you're both there. Mm. So loyalty uh, then can be something developed both within myself and between ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Now let's talk about the benefits of loyalty in marriage. Like how does loyalty actually help your marriage? The first thing to note is it's important in the realm of satisfaction. Okay. So loyalty is an important mediating factor between the actions and interactions in a marriage. It also impacts the overall levels of happiness and satisfaction in the marriage. Mm-hmm. So according to a study in 2004, actions and behaviors such as displays of affection, agreement, intimacy, and sex only positively influence marital satisfaction if love and loyalty are there as mediators. Interesting. Okay. So doing kind of those marriage things in marriage doesn't necessarily lead to a happy marriage unless the underlying characteristics of love and loyalty are there. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling the love and loyalty from my dog right now, Caleb. Because oh, he's breathing his... Oh, he's got dog breath. Yes, but as a loyal owner, you continue to pet him. Yeah, yeah. So, Sorry, total hijack. <laughs> yeah, total distraction. So this this whole that piece there about having that that key sort of underlying love and loyalty. Yeah, yeah. That echoes First Corinthians thirteen, the most well known chapter on love in the Bible. That chapter profoundly underscores the reality that you can do all sorts of wonderful things, but unless you're doing them in love. The actions really are meaningless. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so this is kind of a good self-check to ask, yeah, I may be checking all the husband boxes or all the good wife boxes, but is it really clear that these things I'm doing are saturated with love and loyalty, right? You know what? This can be something as simple as making supper. Like sometimes I really enjoy making supper for the family. And other times it's like, I have to make supper and I'm not enjoying this and I do not want to be doing it. And there's no love in that supper. Yeah. Can you tell that I was grumbling about making supper last night? No, but how are you tying that back to satisfaction? Well, you were just talking about 
if you're doing it in love versus the actions meaningless, like you can right. do things in a marriage, right? But you if you have to, or... because you have to, yeah. versus doing things because you want to, you're committed, you're loyal, you love, right. and, and right. the actions can come out of either direction, right? And loyalty can also lead to marital satisfaction directly. So for couples that value loyalty and see devotion to each other as a priority in marriage, then being happy with the loyalty displayed by your spouse is enough to create high marital satisfaction independent of any other factors. Mm. And I think that's also a great point from the research because it means we need to be willing to stop and notice and be grateful for the loyalty that we may already be experiencing but taking for granted. So if you're listening today and you're thinking, I have a loyal spouse, go home and comment on that. Right. And it might be loyal in a different way. Like you might be looking for something in one department. Right. And because it's not there, you're ignoring everything that's happening in all the other departments of your marriage. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it could be that. That's not what I'm saying, but that's a good point too. All right. So I'm just saying that the acknowledgement of the loyalty increases marital satisfaction. Really? Yes. Like your internal process of of acknowledging that and appreciating that increases your satisfaction with the marriage. So sometimes you just need to stop and smell the flowers. That's what this is saying. Okay. Okay. Now, loyalty also impacts, as you would expect, long-term stability and commitment to the marriage. So there was a study in 93 that interviewed 147 couples that had been happily married over 20 years, and they found that loyalty to the spouse was the second strongest predictor of a long-term stable marriage. Okay. And we just wanted to note this so we don't miss the significance of the subject of loyalty. Like this is the number two factor in a long-term marriage. So loyalty. Yeah, yeah. Don't miss that point. Right. Okay. And I did say in the intro, would let you know what the number one predictor was, which is seeing marriage as a lifelong commitment. How is loyalty and commitment different? Like, is that not the same thing? Uh, Obviously, it's different. They're really tied together. But commitment is the idea of, um, you know, I'm sticking this out even through the good and the bad. Okay. Whereas loyalty is a a personal investment towards you. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. There's other things like close friendship and companionship in the top 10. So you kind of get to see like in this top 10... There's all these things on the same spectrum of loyalty, commitment, oneness, right? All super important to creating a lifelong satisfying marriage. Yeah. So on this note, we've created a bonus discussion guide again uh, for our patrons. And this is what I'm really excited about because it steps you through a really in-depth discussion with your spouse on things like what loyalty looked like in your family of origin. Because that's Hmm. an issue that we're going to discuss. The times when loyalty was broken in your life, because that may be playing a role in your marriage today, past experiences. Mm, Yeah. And what does loyalty mean to you now, like today? And you can get this by becoming a patron of the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. And we'll just take a quick break to tell you more about that. What happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality? Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at oyf.support. That's oyf.support. 
You're listening to The Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how long-term stability is powerfully influenced by loyalty. And there's a couple more benefits to loyalty we should talk about for before we talk about the common areas where we get into conflict around loyalty. Okay. And, and then how to resolve those, of course. So the other good thing about loyalty is it buffers against fear. Now, this was an interesting study from 2002 where it showed that, or they found that making participants think about frightening existential issues like death or mortality caused them to report higher levels of commitment and loyalty to their spouse. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not saying you should go home and ask your spouse to think about dying. But, <laughs> but what happened is that the thoughts about the loyalty and commitment acted as a buffer, reducing the participants' fear of death. Oh. Which is really cool, right? So they concluded that a strong, loyal relationship helps reduce fears of death since your sense of self has expanded to include the other person. So even if you die... Part of yourself lives on. That was how they viewed it. Okay. And I don't mean this in some kind of weird way. I just mean that that what I know I leave together. a legacy with you or a memory with you or or like the the history that the shared history that we've created together, you will carry that on past the time of my passing. Okay. Okay. Right? And that reduces the fear. Huh. A loyal and devoted relationship also helps you find meaning and feel like your life has purpose, which contributes again to fearing death less because because life then has become meaningful, okay? okay? Here's a quote from their study. Unlike most other threats, the threat of death is inescapable, and support from close others cannot remove the threat itself. Mm-hmm. In this case, perhaps the affirmation of one's importance in others' lives engenders feelings of meaning that render the prospect of death more tolerable. And I think what they're observing is that loyalty helps with creating legacy, leaving something behind that endures beyond the span of your own life. Because you've invested. Yes, so loyalty stuff. there then huh. serves to buffer against fear. Interesting. Now, of course, the ultimate way to remove the fear of death is salvation in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool that there are the other way, these other ways in life where there can be buffers too. Mm-hmm. And loyalty in marriage is one of them. And finally, kind of on this area of things, vulnerability and conflict, loyalty helps with vulnerability, which shouldn't be terribly surprising if you think about it. If you're in a, a loyal relationship with your spouse and it emphasizes the, the relationship emphasizes partnership and togetherness, this allows you to express vulnerability and respond to each other in affirming ways, positive ways, right? Which makes a lot yeah. of sense. But it also helps the couple to manage conflict because high levels of underlying loyalty allows spouses to use positive emotions like humor in conflict because there's, okay. this, there's this loyalty bond in there. Which is, I can joke a little bit right now, we can lighten this conflict up. Okay. Right? Rather than like go into attack or something. Yes. Okay. It also helps the couple maintain calmness and flexibility because there's, there's loyalty, right? Right. I'm having troubles differing this from commitment because I was thinking in my head, you can maintain calmness and flexibility because you know like this marriage isn't going anywhere. Right. But think of it more in the sense of I've got your back. Oh. So you can be calm and- Okay. And flexible, right? Okay. Helps a couple attack the issue and not each other. Mm-hmm. And it helps them to notice opportunities to repair the conflict rather than just focusing on the negative traits of your spouse. Mm. Okay. Which is pretty interesting. So loyalty helps with conflict. Okay. Now let's talk about conflicting loyalties. Like when yours and mine are different? Yeah. So we can value loyalty, right? But we also need to be aware that it's not always going to be easy. So there's here's three situations where... Uh, we run into issues around loyalty. Uh, the first one is not common to all marriages, but I think the last two definitely are something that every couple has struggled with or will struggle with. The first one is okay. loyalty can cause, or there can be there can be loyalty conflicts in step families. Now, 
In blended families, there may be conflicting loyalties between your new spouse and your children or family from a previous marriage. Right. right? No yeah. surprise there. We've talked a little bit about this in the past. And couples again have to understand that creating a stable marriage in a stable home is the best way to help the children adjust to the new family unit. Okay. So the couple's goal, therefore, should be to aim to side with each other over the kids or other family members as doing so will create stability and help the children's well-being in the long run. So rather than taking sides with your kids, you're a unified right. fronter. Right. Okay. Now, I have to balance this against the episode where we really tackled this all in one spot, which said that you need to be moving on both fronts at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is slight priority here, but we don't want to throw things off balance either, right? Yeah. So creating that new family dynamic though and the new family rituals, and I think this is where blending helps or balance being balanced helps. Okay. This can help strengthen the sense of family cohesion. Mm -hmm. And in this context, the couple can see or the kids can see that loyalty to your spouse and loyalty to them is the same thing. Like this person is committed to us, this new family member. Oh, and then it's not competition or, okay. Right. And what I see in this is it's really critical to embrace the whole package, not just focus on one area, especially at the cost of others. So for example, you could protect your biological kids against your new spouse, or you could side with your spouse over your biological children, right? And that's, that's tricky business mm. once you get into there, right? Yeah. So it's really like the whole system needs to be embraced with loyalty. Right. And that would that, be tough Yeah, to that just would, balance that all. That's going to be hard work sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, another area where we run into loyalty issues is in between, uh, in the subject of work-family conflict. Mm-hmm. This is a lot more common, I would think. Yes. Loyalties can be divided between family life and successful careers. So, for example, demands from one area can make it hard to meet the demands from the other, leading to stress and conflict in both. Yeah. And this can be especially true where one spouse has had a very successful or even a prestigious job or where they run their own business, making work-life balance difficult. We know all about this part, right? Yeah. And it can also be an issue for long-distance marriages or military couples where the stay-at-home spouse may feel that their husband or wife is more loyal to their job or to their country than to them. And those are really difficult issues to tease apart because there's some altruistic values in there and there's some really practical things in there, right? So how do you create more loyalty in the face of these kinds of challenges? That's the question because it often feels impossible to back off from the work side of things. Yeah, like you've got to finish everything you have you to start, do. Right? Yeah. Now, okay. one thing couples can do is to plan the time they do get together as effectively as possible, so they get the most satisfaction out of that time. So when there's when we're competing for time, mm-hmm. we're going to choose to make the most of the time that we do have. Okay. Rather than just fighting about the time we don't have. Oh, I see. Right? Yes. Yeah. And wherever possible, of course, using flexible work arrangements in order to reduce conflict. If, if possible, right? So this is a time to be creative. Are there times you can work from home? Can you add a lunch date once a week? Can you reduce your hours maybe on Fridays or every second Friday or something like that? Is there a way that you can adjust Yeah, just to give something back to really cement the loyalty, right? Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Now, you know, think of this in the larger context of your marriage again, like since joint goals and vision are a big part of loyalty in marriage, we said that at the start. Yeah. Can you find a way to make both careers... Or if it's one person's career and the other person stay at home, can you find a way to integrate that into a joint vision between the two of you for your lives? So this way, even when the job puts a strain on the home life, both spouses can still see it as being important and an important part of who they are as a couple. Okay. They're both invested, right? And then it becomes, well, what would you have to change in order for you to both feel invested in getting 
maybe in getting that new business off the ground or getting established in that particular career. Or possibly for the career person, do you need to come up with a mid or long-term strategy to move to a different career or position, which is more honoring of the loyalty you feel towards Mm. your spouse? Are you both prepared to accept the sacrifices necessary to prioritize your marriage and family over your career, if that's what you want to do? Yeah. Right. So these are tough, but honest conversations that some of us need to have. And in fact, next week episode, we're going to be going on, we're going to be diving deep into work family conflict and how to resolve that because it's such a common challenge. But this is... Because what if you get one spouse that is like, no, totally career oriented and then the other spouse is like, no, I want you home more. Well, what if... Or one spouse that says, I want you home more, but I want you making the same amount of income. Like it goes all sorts of directions, right? Yeah. Those would be tough conversations. Yeah, it is. It is. So creativity um, is one part, but also joint goals and vision. Like how can we come together on a longer term vision? And then what does it look like to help us get there? Hmm. Okay. Now, another great area for loyalty friction is family versus spouse. Mm. So loyalties can be torn between your spouse and your family of origin. Mm-hmm. Everybody, not everybody, most people have a strong attachment bond to both their parents and their spouse. Yeah. And so conflict between them or even having to choose which to spend time with can be hard to deal with and really difficult to balance. Hmm. Marital conflict can come up if one spouse supports their family of origin over their husband or wife, or a spouse may resent their husband or wife for putting them in a position where they have to pick a side. Mm. Why do you always make me choose between them? Yeah. Yeah. You, right? In my opinion, spouses should always aim to side with each other and... There's going to be a caveat to this, so it's not actually always, okay? <laughs> okay. Decide with each other and support one another over their family, but they also need to be sensitive to the fact that this can be hard and can feel, it actually can feel like you're betraying your family yeah. when you're doing yeah. this, right? Yeah. Now, the side with your spouse versus your family thing, there's a, one clear caveat on this is for abusive marriages because one key abusive tactic around power and control is social isolation. Mm. So the abuser will try to isolate the abused spouse, right? Yeah. And in that case, I would encourage as much as it's safe to do so for the abused spouse to keep in touch with their family, even secretly if you need to, because you're going to need that support network when you decide to leave. Mm. Okay. And so just let me qualify that this is not a carte blanche rule that should be applied to every situation. But in non-abusive situations, I've found that in my experience talking to couples, it works better to side with the spouse first and then to figure out the family second. Yeah. In terms of loyalty. Yeah. Okay. Now, just let's tease it apart a little bit though, because one of the issues that comes up is norms, ways of acting, traditions, right? Around families. Yeah. So families develop these things over many years and they come to see those things that they've developed as fixed. Like this is always how we do Christmas. Mm-hmm. This is how we celebrate this holiday, right? Yeah. And yet when you get married, it can be hard for the new spouse to adjust to these things that the other party looks like they're at them as if they're fixed, but the new spouse is like... But they have their own that are fixed. Yeah, mine are different than yours. So obviously this is arbitrary. Right. Right? So this is where it can But it get... doesn't feel that way when you're going home to your family. No. Okay. And so if when you get married then, you go with your spouse and... And because, you know, these things are fixed in the mind of your spouse and your spouse's family, it can actually then feel like your spouse is being more loyal to them than Uh, to you because they grow with that tradition. So for example, refusing to change a Christmas tradition by saying, that's just how we do things. Or maybe in some other way, you justify your parents' behavior by saying, that's just how she is. These kinds of comments indicate that loyalty to your family over loyalty to your spouse is kind of what's going on, right? Huh. But don't or you they, think that like... They can indicate that. You may not be feeling that. Maybe you're just being oversensitive. That's possible like, too. What does it matter if it's their tradition or your tradition or... Yeah, I wouldn't... Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily start with 
calling them oversensitive as much as just trying to understand why it's so important to them. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Be curious. Yes. All right, I can agree with that then. So it's probably a good idea then when you get married and you're, or you, if you are married and have been a few years and this is a hotbed of issues for you, like, is there a way that you can see those norms as not necessarily being set in stone mm-hmm. and then kind of being flexible? Like, can you, is there, can you put some effort into accommodating your new spouse into the existing norms of the family or set up even new norms and traditions of your own as a couple? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll need to have a discussion with your own family as well to help them understand how or why you're wanting to change the norms that you've accepted in the past. So, you know, like I have a wife, mom, we can't always do Christmas like we always have. Like mm. we, need to, we need to face this reality. She has as much right to be with her parents for Christmas as I do to be with you for Christmas kind right. of thing, right? Right. So loyalty is something that can be challenging to navigate. Then we see this in this norms issue as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But don't forget, it's a top two predictor of creating a lasting, satisfying marriage. So it's worth figuring out. Mm -hmm. This is worth struggling over. Okay. Very interesting. We want to thank Judy for becoming a patron between this recording and our previous one. Thank you to all our supporters. We appreciate you so much. And Caleb? Next week, we're talking about work-family conflict, as I said. Oh, you told us that during the thing, right? I think it's a very common thing. Like It happens to all of us at some point, at least during the span of our lives. Yeah. And I kind of think like even if you have the same long-term goals, like when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, it's... I don't know. Yeah. It's easy to get your you can get on bed a project or something, and, or yeah, or something changes at home with someone's health and the demands change. change. Yeah. yeah, should be interesting. That is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link/slash one seven four. Find out how you can help marriages. Go to oyf.support. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to oyf.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for smart people from only you forever.